He is a minister of the gospel, church administrator, missionary, and the author of a book about faith and science. His name is Dr. Gary Wagner. I'm John Bradshaw, and this is our conversation. Dr. Gary Wagner, great to have you back on Conversations. Thank you for being here. Thank you very much for having me back. So how have things been in the intervening days, weeks, months, or years, or however long it's been? I've been way too busy. You have? Yes, yes. Uh, good news. Yeah. Yes, good, good news. I've, uh, God has blessed me in, in many remarkable ways, and I'm uh, thankful to be here. The last time you were here, we had you here to talk about your book, this book, Operation Time Box. We kind of got sidetracked talking about some pretty incredible things, some remarkable experiences that you've had with God. I said at the time, we're going to have to have you back and talk about your book. So let's see how we do this time. Based on our last conversation where we didn't get to open the book up, uh, I cannot claim to have 100% confidence we're going to do this thing justice, but we'll try. Thank you. So talk to me about why you wrote a book about faith and science. Uh, I've been interested in, in... Creation, probably all my life. But uh, a few years ago, as I was uh, pastoring a, a district of seven churches, I began to look back in, in Revelation 14 7, where it talks about uh, the fact that just before Jesus comes again, we are being asked by God to, to focus in on, uh, on creation. And We've looked at the passage uh, for many years thinking, well, that, that's telling us that we need to be sure to keep the Sabbath. And, and I agree. But to me, it, it says we need to be looking at what all of creation is saying to us about who God is and what worshiping Him is all about. So everything that God made in these uh, six days of creation and, and the seventh uh, being the memorial Everything about that week of creation has things in it that, that call us to worship Him. And particularly in the last days, there are ways that probably many, even good Christians who believe that they are worshiping God, have fallen away because they're not paying attention to, to the cues that God has given to us through creation about, about how He wants to be worshipped and what does it mean to worship Him. Now that verse, Revelation 14, verse 7, that's the one that says, uh, Fear God yes. and give glory to Him, mm-hmm. for the hour of His judgment has come, mm-hmm. and worship Him that made mm-hmm. heaven and earth and the seas and the fountains of waters. That's exactly right. So we're going to go back to a, a, a very basic uh, question. And how do, how do I say this? What I'm tempted to say is leave the Bible out of this for a moment. That's what I'm tempted to say. So maybe that's what I'm saying. Leave the Bible out of this for a moment. What convinces you that we are here as the result of special creation on the part of a God rather than we're here as the result of some cosmic accident? If I were asking you, tell me why I can believe that, and you couldn't give the, the well, the Bible says so as an answer, where would you start pointing me? I would, I would start looking at science. Of course, that's, that's the only other place we can look because... Uh, frankly, science and scripture both come from God, and 
because of that, they're going to give the same answers. And if our understanding of, if our, if it seems to us that that they're not in agreement, it's because our understanding of one or the other or both is wrong, and we need to reevaluate it. So we have a pretty good idea that the way we look at Scripture is, is appropriate and is right. So then we need to take another look at science. Some Christians uh, deny science altogether, mm. and, and that's no good. Some, some, some Christians look at things in science like paleontology and the, and the fact that there were dinosaurs, and they, they say, well, that's, that's wrong. Dinosaurs never existed because, because it's hard for us to be able to justify all those millions of years that science tells us uh, it took to, to, to develop the dinosaurs and then for them to be lost 65 million years ago. Well, we, we can look at science and say, we know that those animals existed. It's foolish for us to, to try to deny it because we see the skeletons all over the place, sure. all over the world. Yeah. They're there. Somebody planted them there, and in some process, they, they, were, they were put there. So we need to begin to, to, to find how does science uh, bring us to the same conclusion. Is it possible that it does? And, and frankly, uh, since I started working on this, I've begun recognizing that, that science, in many ways, is giving us evidence of creation. Talk to me about some of that. What's some of that evidence that we're, that we're seeing? Because it, it's fascinating even to hear somebody say this, because we've been told so much, so often, so very frequently, that what science does is undermines the Bible. The, the, the loudest scientific voices appear to be saying that the Bible cannot be trusted when it comes to origin. Mm-hmm. But not all scientific voices, That's right. by any stretch of the imagination, so, so talk with me a little further about that and, and, and where science is leading us and how our understanding perhaps is, uh, shouldn't say evolving, but developing. There are so many ways. Since we were talking about dinosaurs already, let's, yeah. let's look at that. Yeah. Dinosaurs are said to have, have ranged the earth uh, from 150 million to, to, to uh, 65 million years ago. And, that, and the, the reason... We lost all of the dinosaurs, according to much of science, is because of uh, great cataclysm when a comet hit the Earth and, and caused environmental destruction where the, the dinosaurs all just died out because they couldn't breathe, they, they didn't have sunlight, all of these things. That doesn't explain how they got buried. So, so science has been telling us that, but in, in recent years, just since the time I started studying it, science has been learning because their methods have been improving, and good scientific method is, is always a, a very positive thing. They've been learning that as they've dug up some of these uh, large dinosaur bones, and they put them under an electron mic- microscope, and they find within the tissues, soft tissue. Within the middle of the bone, they find soft tissue, which means 
which means tissue that is soft. And one uh, electron microscopist was doing his analysis, and, and when he reported it, he said, this, this bone then is about uh, six to 7,000 years old. And, and he got fired for it because they didn't like that response. He was the second person who had come to that conclusion. And uh, so naturally he, he sued and got his job back, but they've been finding more and more soft tissue within dinosaur bones because their, their methods have improved. This soft tissue then has DNA in it. Well, no, that's really interesting, isn't it? Yes, it is. Oh, yeah. So Jurassic Park may actually come about <laughs> one of these days. Uh, but it's a fascinating thing to see that as the, as the methods uh, for the scientists improve, they're, they're, they're beginning to, to find evidence that's been there all along that helps us to see that the world isn't uh, a couple of billion years old. Why do you think it is that there are not more scientists seeing the signs like this one and, and, and speaking out? Why do you think that might be? There may be plausible, very good reasons for it. Why do you think it is? Well, scientists are people, and uh, there are a lot of reasons, and some are good and some are not so good. For many, the scientific community is a, is a very tight-knit community. And for a scientist to work, somebody has to pay them. And the people who pay them are generally, uh, say, pharmaceutical companies or, or companies that are doing research to, to develop some new gadget. Or, uh, for example, maybe somebody's looking for a new vaccine. Well. Because the, because the people who are paying for the science want a specific response back, then if they give a different response, then they won't get paid or they'll lose their job. So it, there's a very high degree of pressure put on scientists to, to get the answers that, they've, that, that are expected. I spoke with a young Ph.D., happened to be an Australian fellow, and this was in Boston, Massachusetts, and he, he was attending some meetings that we were holding and described himself as a recovering atheist. Mm. I asked him that question. I said, why does it appear that atheism is so very prevalent among the scientific community? He said this. He said, when you're coming up through the ranks, your progress or your forward momentum is often dependent on on, on, on peer reviews. Mm -hmm. He said you learn pretty quickly that if the people who are the gatekeepers over your advancement think a certain way, then it's best for you to think that way as well. Yes. And minds are formed and molded. And he said sometimes it's just a cold, hard decision. This is best for my future. I'll drink the Kool-Aid mm -hmm. and, and go down that road. That's right. It must have been interesting to sit in God's seat 
and know that for thousands of years, the majority of people who identified alongside of you believed a certain way about creation. And then pretty quickly, frankly, there was a switch, a turn, an absolute change. And evolution, for example, and and other uh, scientific or pseudoscientific understandings came into the picture. That had to have been devastating for God to see him watch, to watch the planet and just say, this thing is just running amok. And relatively suddenly, put yourself in that situation there and look down from heaven and watch this thing just start going wild. What's, what's happening behind all this? Well, God knows that he's, uh, he's got the last word. And, and so he, he plans to bring about his, his, uh, his plan at, at a schedule and at a time when it's going to do the most good. Mm. And, and that, of course, is just before Jesus comes back again. That's, that's when the most people are going to be uh, affected by the truth that he's going to reveal to us. That's one of the reasons, I think, why so much science is, is coming to the place where they're, they're proving things now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's no accident that, uh, that we have Revelation 14.7, uh, just seven verses before in chapter 14, Jesus comes. We are being told now the things that, that God wants us to understand. Let me, let me look at, at the beginning of creation. Yeah, let's do that. I'd like to do that. Uh, we see that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And, and it talks to us about uh, it was dark and uh, the, the fact that there was, uh, the Spirit was moving on the water. So sure. we know that there was water involved as God created the heavens and the earth. There was water. We also know, because on, uh, on day two we find it talks about uh, dirt, earth, g- ground, but it didn't say when that was created, so that was created on day one too. So when God put all of this water and dirt into this place in space, what did it look like? Yeah. Other than just being dark. Well, we go to science. What, what are the conditions of space? We know it's dark. We know it's huge. We know it's timeless. It's also very cold. Very cold, yeah. And in this part of, of the universe, space out there is 455 degrees below zero. So what happens when you just speak and that water and everything is there in that place in space? You have ice. Well, we've never talked about ice. But Job talks about ice. Yes, he does, yeah. Yes. And, and, and he talks about how, how, how God spoke and there was the ice, and, and he also talked about how he breathed on it and it, and it melted. Well, this, this ice began in, to be that mass, and, and then God created, let's, said, let there be light. And with light comes, according to science, heat. Sure. And it began to melt that water. And those waters with all of the all of the elements and all of the rocks that were frozen there together started melting and, and running in toward the center because the gravitational pull was, was pulling it. So there's lots of science involved with this. Gravitational pull and, 
was pulling everything together and and then uh uh as it continued to heat up as everything got got melted a process known as hydrostatic equilibrium it, it it's a process that that causes everything because there's there's the the the, the earth having its rotation and 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 it's shaking and all this stuff is coming together and 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 everything starts molding into a round globe but we've never looked at creation from a scientific perspective before what happens when you put all that water together in 455 degrees below zero so we want we want to see that that uh, if we look at creation of the Earth with some science involved with it, we can get a new idea. We can begin to see what God did. And that becomes important when we start looking at the flood. Where did all the water come from for mm-hmm. the flood? Yeah. Well, I started asking that question in 2013 when I started looking at this because that, that was a, a big showstopper. We don't have that water now, do we? Well, science in 2014 then learned that there were oceans of water 400 miles below the surface, three times more than there is on the surface. And we know where the water for the, for the flood came from. The Bible tells us that it was raining, and it was also the gushing of the out of the deep. And uh, so... We can also see that there are there are vents that go down into the deep where that water came up and where the water went back down again. And since that discovery, science has actually uh, changed their attitude about the water coming on comets to the Earth. Now they won't tell you that very much. It was in it was in the news for a very short time, and now you have to look for it because they don't want you to know that. Fascinating. The book is fascinating. The whole approach is fa- the, the, the conversation is not only fascinating, but it's pivotal. It's foundational to actual biblical Christianity. I'm glad we're having it. The book is Operation Time Box. Its author, Dr. Gary Wagner, he's my guest. And I'll be back with more from our conversation in just a moment. Hi, I'm John Bradshaw from It Is Written. The It Is Written Bible studies have been used around the world by people who want to understand the Bible better. They're short, they're easy to use, and they're life-changing. And in them, you'll find the hope and the peace that you've been searching for. Sign up for your Bible guides today at no cost. You'll be glad you did. Have you ever struggled to say no to temptation? You're not alone. Everybody has at some point, but there is hope. Taking a Stand is a five-part series presented by Pastor John Bradshaw that will help you win your spiritual battles. To order your copy of Taking a Stand on DVD, call 1-888-664-5573 or download it from our web store at www.itiswritten.shop. Discover powerful ways you can live a victorious Christian life. Welcome back to Conversations, brought to you by It Is Written. I'm John Bradshaw. My guest is Dr. Gary Wagner, the author of Operation Time Box, a book about faith and science, a book about creation. And at this juncture in human history, it's imperative. 
imperative that we discuss creation and discuss it from a very supportive point of view. Once the creation story goes out the window, I mean, in all seriousness, Gary, once creation's gone, honestly, what are you left with? Exactly. If, if, if we don't believe in creation the way God tells us it was made, then we have no foundation for us to believe in anything else the Bible says. We have no foundation to be able to believe that God has a, has a Savior for us or that there is a heaven after, after this life. Everything else goes out the window. And if God is not the creator, how can he be the recreator? Exactly. And then it's fascinating to me, too, as you read through the Bible. I try to keep reading through the Bible on a constant basis. The amount of sort of creation stories that there are. Oh, I don't mean the Genesis account, but I'm saying you get over into the Psalms, and the psalmist will take an entire psalm where he goes through God's wonderful works and dealings and speaks about creation. And over Mm -hmm. here, he's speaking about creation. This is not incidental to the story. Creation is the story. That's right. So looking at it from the big picture, what are the fascinating aspects of the of the creation story to you? You mentioned before something about uh, about foundations. I, I, I would love to ask you to elaborate on that, extrapolate that. Jesus was uh, speaking in parables, and his disciples asked, why do you do that? And he said, it's because in the parables can, are contained the secrets of the foundations, in other words, the secrets of creation, things that God hid in, in plain sight in creation that help us to be able to, to understand who he is mm-hmm. and, and what he's doing. I love, I love that idea of things being hidden in plain sight. Yes. So what were some of those things that God hid right there where we can see them? Well, one of the ways that God did that is uh, in the writing of the Bible, and, and you see this in, in, in other areas besides creation, when God had something specific that he wanted to focus on, uh, emphasize, he used different uh, tools of of literature, we might say. One is that he would repeat it; he would he would say it a number of times. Sure. He would use, and so let's let's go to to day three when it when plants were made, and he said, "In in the plants, in all the plants are seeds. These plants, these trees, the flowers, the the the, the vegetables, all of them have seeds." And seeds are mentioned five times in a few in a few verses, and we look over that because to us seeds are very common. But what are the purpose of seeds? The purpose of a seed is to grow another copy of what it came from. Right. And to us, that's just the way things are. But I don't believe that's that's the way things have ever been anywhere anywhere else in the universe that God created. Because why would you need something to grow something new? Is because it died. Mm-hmm. God knew that sin was going to be coming into the earth, and so He had to make a new process, whereby after sin came, after sin entered, and and things started to die, He would need to be able to have those things continue to live until the plan of salvation could be accomplished. He wanted everything to live, man included, so that we could survive until the plan of salvation could be accomplished. So he made seeds in plants. And when it gets to the animals, he he allowed animals to be able to recreate Mm -hmm. themselves after their kind. And, And that's the same process of a seed. And when he got to to humans, the uh, 
the, the fact that God made man to be male and female had never been done in the universe before. And he was building up to something very special. So he made man in his own image. He made him male and female. Well, why would this be necessary? And how can we be sure that that's the case? Well, yeah. when, when Jesus was here, he was, he was being accosted by, by some of the religious leaders who, who asked him a question about uh, this woman, this woman who uh, was married to a man and he died, and so she married his husband, uh, his brother, and then he died and she married the next brother, and whose, whose wife will he be? And right. Jesus said, you ask this because you don't know Scripture. Because in heaven, there is no marrying or giving of marriage in heaven. The angels are neither male nor female. Male and female never existed before this earth was created because there was no need for male and female. Why would there have been a need for male and female here? It was so that God could become God among us. Jesus, the Savior. The purpose for all of this creative process was to bring us to the place where God could introduce to us the Savior, Jesus, in a way that we would accept him. Now, I was born in 1951, and in, in that year, I think, or possibly 53, there was a movie that was done called The Last Day on Earth, or something, something to that effect. And there was this flying saucer that came and landed on the earth. And, and so all of, the, all of the armies of the world started coming together with their, with their big guns and to, to, to circle it to make sure that, that nothing happened from it. The, the robot came out and, and everybody was horrified. And then a, a man came out, a, a being, and said, Long story short, he, he started telling them, we've been watching you from the rest of the universe, and you're a terrible people. Uh, you're always in war with each other, and you're going to destroy yourselves, and so we've come to give you a solution. This is a matter of life or death. If you do what we say, we'll let you live. Otherwise, we're going to wipe you out, because you're going to become a hazard to the rest of the universe. Oh, that's interesting, isn't it? So, from, a, from a spiritual perspective, yes, that, that, that parallel, yeah. Exactly. So uh, everybody was afraid of this Savior coming to help them. And indeed, if God had sent Jesus in any other way, probably we would have been frightened of him then too. As it turns out, that in self, it itself had to be a part of the process because those who were leading God's people at the time did destroy Jesus. But that had to be done so that let's go back just a little bit. Jesus had to be born of a woman in order to be partly human. Sure. And had to live a sinless life and he had to die the death that he did not deserve. So all of this had to be orchestrated in a way, and I'm not saying that, that, that God forced all of this to happen, but he knew what was going to happen. 
So he put things into into effect that would that would bring about the consequences that come to all of us when we sin and comes to the world as a result. This was necessary in order to be able to save the earth and the rest of the universe. So the seed became that which in Genesis 3.15 sure. would, would be what would be the, the, the savior of the man and the woman who, who sinned because they turned against God. You spoke about those secret foundations. What else is there? What, 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 what else is there that Jesus spoke about or was alluding to that shone light on the creation account of the Bible? Well, Jesus, uh, how, how do you make life? Uh, science has been trying to answer that question uh, for as long as there has been science. Oh, and it amuses me every so often someone in Silicon Valley has announced that we're, we're studying how to achieve immortality or how we're going to all live to 150. Uh, I, I saw three or four days ago a man says he's going to live to be 180. He definitely won't. There's no question about it. But these are the kind of pursuits that science at least likes to tell us they're all about. Well, I want to... I wanna hit that in just a minute, but, but how did God make life happen? Well, he, cre- he had already created something that he put into place here on this earth, and that something was DNA. Life in the rest of the universe had DNA. God has DNA. Everything that lives has DNA. We didn't learn about DNA until, until uh, in the middle of the last century. Yeah, very recently, really. And and frankly, I remember, I remember when they first uh, showed pictures of the of the DNA helix, mm-hmm. uh, and and that was an amazing thing. I I was in elementary school at the time, and that fascinated me to see that. But how do we know that there is DNA? And did God ever talk about DNA in the Bible? Well, I, I think He did. In 1 Corinthians uh, 15, it talks about the fish having one kind of body, and the, the birds another, That's and the right. animals another, and people have another. Well, besides that, he, te- he tells us that when it's time for, Je- for, for Jesus to come, and he, and he raises up the, the saved, he he recreates us in the form of his glorious body. He has DNA also, and, and he simply renews our DNA in a fashion that will be eternal, along with eating from the tree of life. So God has always used DNA in everything that lives, and, and I'm, I'm relatively certain that that's one thing science is not going to be able to duplicate. Mm. Yeah, it's mind-boggling, isn't it? When, when you look at the complexity of, of nature, uh, and sometimes that complexity is found in profoundly simple things like leaves or, or a blade of grass or some such thing. You look at the great complexity in nature. You consider the vastness of the universe. I mean, how do you arrive at the place that we just got here? I was reading sometime in the last 24 hours, I might have read it to one of my children, where the account was that everything currently in the universe, that's right, I was reading about black holes, I think it was, 
every as you do, everything in the universe once fit inside like a very small pin prick. And then there was the Big Bang and everything that we see now had been densely and and tightly packed in. And now it's the sun, the moon and the stars and, and galaxies and billions of galaxies. Dr. Wagner, how can a person believe that? Just, I mean, I don't want to pick a fight with scientists. I don't think it'd be a fair fight. I probably wouldn't last <laughs> half a round. But how does a person let themselves believe that once everything was jam-packed into something smaller than the period at the end of a sentence? That doesn't make sense. And, and fortunately, science now is beginning to doubt that. Uh, of course, it goes back to Einstein when he developed his theories of relativity. Mm. And uh, but but in the in the last three maybe four years, some uh, really good scientists have been saying we're not so sure that actually works out anymore. And I expect that that will grow and 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 grow to the place where more people will recognize. It had to have been something pretty amazing, but that wasn't it. Let me go back to DNA for just a moment. If yeah, you, sure. If you, you remember that that when when man sinned, uh, and in Genesis three fifteen, Jesus came to to Adam and Eve in the, in the garden. I will put enmity between the, you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. Yes, exactly, and and, and the seed is very important there, and and then. Uh, to, to man, I, I, I will cause you to have to, to, to labor by the sweat of your brow. And, and it was at that point that it says, and the, the plants began to change. They started getting thorns. Mm. This was the beginning. The, the, the curse on the ground was the, the mutation of the DNA began, which caused the thorns to begin to form. And because because DNA mutation was in the ground, and of course the ground is where all life comes from, uh, according to science, everything that lives has in some way its, 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 its beginning from what comes out of the ground. Uh, God, at the very beginning, created the elements that, uh, that, would, that would make life possible. So DNA mutation began at that point and has been going ever since. Now, there's a scientist in, in Cornell who was not a Christian, but he was studying plant DNA, and he began to learn more and more about it and, and, and how it worked. And one of the things that he learned was they, they got to the place after DNA was mapped that they knew uh, how many genes there are uh, in, a, in a person. Sure. And uh, they also can tell how many of those genes are mutated. So by looking at the number that are mutated and how many there are, and recognizing the rate of mutation, they have been able to calculate how long mutation has been happening. Oh, that's fascinating. I'm completely unaware of this. And it's been happening between six and 8,000 years. Isn't that something? So, as I said, science is an amazing thing that that is coming around 
to, to prove exactly what God has been telling us. But one of the things that that also tells us is a geneticist who is not a Christian, who sees the same thing that this, this man uh, saw, uh, says that the reality is genetic, DNA, genetic mutation has, got, has been going to the, uh, at this rate, uh, and we are, and he said, either less than 100 years or three to four generations before humanity is no longer fit to be able to survive. Is that so? He's talking about what, the, the breakdown of DNA or the, the continuing weakening of the human family? What's he, what's he uh, referencing? No, the breakdown of DNA itself. That, that we, uh, psychologically, physically, uh, mentally, are getting to the place, and, and we can see this happening all over the place, getting to the place mentally where we won't be able to continue to survive. And this happens at the same time this, this mutation which is bringing us down happens at the same time that science, with its artificial intelligence, is coming to the place where they're expecting to have uh, the singularity occur, and some, some say by 2050, but because of new advances that have been being made, others are saying by 2028, where, where these, two, these two lines are now coming to the place where we will become incapable of surviving on our own at the time when computers will be completely taking over the world. Yeah, you've heard that phrase, you ain't seen nothing yet. It just, just, just does make me wonder what we're looking ahead at as a, as a human family, what lies just, just down the road a little bit. Exactly. And, and of course, I'm not saying how long it's going to be before Jesus comes. Sure, no. But sure. I know that he's never going to allow us to get to the place where machines will begin to destroy us. No doubt about it. Very, very fascinating. Operation Time Box is the book. Dr. Gary Wagner is my guest. I'll have more from our conversation in just a moment. Brought to you by It Is Written. More and more people are watching It Is Written TV. They're watching their favorite It Is Written programs, listening to inspiring sermon series, and much more. They're watching them here, here, and even here. See for yourself why people are turning to It Is Written TV to watch their favorite Christian programs live and on demand. Watch It Is Written TV for free anytime on Roku, Apple TV, and at itiswritten.tv. Welcome back to Conversations brought to you by It Is Written. My guest is Dr. Gary Wagner, and he's the author of Operation Timebox, a book dealing with creation, with faith and science. It's very interesting a moment ago, we were talking about the, the intersect between uh, humanity and uh, technology, that intersect. Just where we go with that, it's going to be very fascinating to see. You've also mentioned, Gary, that Science is starting to help out Christianity a little bit now. More and more scientists are looking at the evidence and interpreting it in a way that's not hostile to the Bible. At the same time, and this, this might be a relatively delicate thing to discuss, but it's out there. Science is also undermining some of the most basic 
fundamental building blocks of creation. Here's what I mean. We're seeing in the news these days how uh, individuals who are born as biological males are now competing as females after taking testosterone suppressants and identifying as female. You know, once upon a time, that, that idea would have been laughable, whether it's laughable now or not, or whether that's appropriate or not, I don't know. But once upon a time, that, that just wasn't how things were done. So the, the, the distinction between male and female, so absolutely crucial to the Bible story, that distinction itself is under a pretty ferocious attack. I don't raise this to be critical of somebody who may see this different than I do, but it's a fact. Male and female created he them. Jesus was born a male, born of a virgin, born of a woman. What in the world if you were to take this to an illogical conclusion? I just wonder if there's there's way more to it spiritually than a person choosing to identify however they want. I believe you're exactly right. Uh, in a perspective on this, recognize that in the, in the Talmud, the word for woman is, is ish, the word for man is isha. And those two words in the Hebrew are exactly the same, except ish has a yod in it that's not in isha, and isha has a yaw in it that's not in ish. You take those two letters and put them together, and you have Yahweh. No. Yes. So, God, right from the very beginning, made man not just the people that they are, but also in the very language of of the people that he chose, these symbols, these signs that help us to see that when you have a man and a woman, that it creates the image of God. And if you have a yod and a yod, it's not. And if you have a a yaw and a yaw, it's not. Only when it's a male and a female who are joined together does does it represent the image of God. Now, today, as I said when we began, a lot of people are are getting this turned around because of whatever reasons. And, and just like you said, I, I'm not here to, to, to criticize a person who, who feels that, that uh, their uh, gender or their sexuality is, is something different than, than, than what they were born with. I, so much of this is happening. Uh, right now it's happening a lot more than it ever has sure. because, because it's a popular thing. And, and particularly young people are are getting caught up in the popularity of it. Uh, that that being said, uh, again, we 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 recognize that every person is loved by God. That's right. And and every person is is offered salvation, and uh, and and God is working in the mind and the hearts of every person to be able to bring them to a recognition of who he is and what he wants for them. However, we, we see then with, with this change why uh, science and, and maybe not just science but also culture uh, has been working so hard 
to change this this uh, image of God that He built within each one of us, and and to make it so that we can no longer see when 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 God made marriage, He He said to them uh, that they. He gave the command that they should join together and that they should procreate and and fill the earth with people who love him. Uh, So uh, that's what he wants to do. He also tells us throughout Scripture that that he compares uh, a husband and a wife to himself. Yes. And it's one of the major images that he helps us to see who he is. So if, if culture and society and science... Are working to to combat that, then then you have to recognize that there's some deeper purpose behind it, and and I believe that it it is uh, the devil who is leading uh, this culture and and so much of science to to, com- to completely turn away from who God is, and that's one of the things that I say uh, we don't recognize in many ways how we're actually turning away from worship of God by getting into some of the things that science and, and our culture, our societies, are leading us into. And if we did understand it, maybe it would make a difference for some. Uh, and, and let's hope that that's the case. But I know that God will continue to work for the salvation of each one of those persons, the same as he, he does for me. We don't have a whole lot of time left here, so I just want to be, be as, as, as broad as I can to give you an opportunity to focus where you want to focus. But as we look at Creation Week, you've spoken about signs and, and, and the secrets of the foundations and so forth. But what are some of those things that we just might be missing from Creation Week? Um, do we ever look a little too narrowly? Do we ever fail to see the forest because of the trees? What are some of those beautiful things about God that we might see more clearly if we focused a little more as we looked at Creation Week? Uh, that, that's, that's a good question. Uh, one of the things that I recognized as I was going through is uh, when you, when you uh, start learning about creation and you start looking at the science uh, behind it, uh, we, we tend to look at the things that, that are easy for us to see. Uh, we, we still may not understand it very well, but, but we still look and see. Uh, part of that is time. Uh, time was actually created at the beginning of creation as well, because in, in eternity there is no time. Uh, there's no measure of time in eternity. So we didn't have a measure of, of time until, until day one. And, and there it said, uh, and, and the evening and the morning were the first day. First day. So it actually says to us, days didn't b- exist before this. This was the first day. And it measured it also, the evening and the morning, so that we could, we could tie time to the, 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 the uh, spinning of the earth on its, on its axis. That might give me a headache if I think about that too much. No time before creation week. That's right. That's, that's just a very difficult concept, I think. It, it, it is pretty, pretty uh, challenging. And, and frankly, I've been continuing to, to, to consider this uh, for these years, and it wasn't until just uh, uh, about three months ago that I was listening to a Christian 
uh, philosopher who was talking about time, and and he he came up. One of his students, in fact, asked him a question about how some people have talked about time of being a box, and and quite frankly, I was amazed when I heard that because I I'd, I'd never studied that before. I had come up with this uh, title for the sure. for the book Operation uh, Time just Box on myself on my own without uh, without recognizing that that somebody else had already said that somewhere along the way, but. So, so we look at we, we look at the direction society is going today. Uh, we see it uh, we see it uh, not only in in the areas of of, of gender and, and and sex, but we also uh, see it uh, in uh, abortion. What and the question has always been: What is a what is a child? And sure. and and when did life begin? And 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 when we when we recognize that that a child was brought into this world for the purpose of saving all of us and and every child that is born is a uh, is a type a, a, a type of that child every child that is born is intended to point us to Jesus the baby who was God with us. Mm. So, in, in fact, for any of us who have been parents, when we first look at that tiny baby that's born, I, I don't know of a single mom or dad who, who, who didn't say, what has God done that's right. here? Yeah, it's a profound, profound moment, isn't Be, it? Because he, he draws us to himself through that new life, and, that's, and that was the intent for it to be. So, not only not only are we destroying that that image of god that that type of christ that soul that god put there for the purpose of drawing us to him when we do that we begin hardening our hearts and 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 turning away from him in a way that we may never get back of course god continues to call us but these are these are the things that that are at stake uh, as we get closer and closer to the time when Jesus will return. Mm, mm, mm. You like to think that there'll be an awakening of some kind, a revival, a, a repentance of some kind. I don't see it happening. Not any kind of great general, we as a human family have got it so wrong for so long we fall on our face before God and tell him how sorry we are I, I how do you see the general forces in society going it seems to me now we're at a critical mass and the, the devil has pressed his foot down hard on the accelerator and there's not going to be any wow we got it so wrong I, I don't mean to indicate that individual human beings are not going to Repent! Thank God that's going to happen. It's going to happen in, in great number before Jesus comes back. But wow, this world just seems to be out of control, doesn't it? Yes, it does, and and it, it seems to be getting worse and worse. But I, I happen to I happen to believe that that God is still in control, and and as we look at many incidents through history, and some that are even mentioned in the Bible, for example, with 
with Nebuchadnezzar, God's people were turning away from him, and so he allowed them to be taken over by right. by Babylon. Right, right. And but but then and then he he saved the Babylonian leader. Yeah, the worst of the worst. The worst of the worst. And and then God's people had a little more time to be able to start over and, and do what they need. We see this happening time again uh, throughout history of, of man, and we see it actually happening right now uh, in our own country, uh, in the world. Uh, COVID, I don't think, was an accident. I, I think the devil had his hand in it right, yeah, no right from the beginning. Sure. And, and one of the purposes for it may well be to help us to recognize that, that God is bringing us back to himself and and I, in talking with people, I, I find that many of them are saying, you know, all of this science that we've been hearing has been questionable. And, and, and they're even admitting now that it was questionable. And so what can we believe in? And I believe that God is going to bring us continually back to creation and faith uh, and, and true science to help us to recognize who he is and what he's doing for us. And, and he will use these events to bring the world back. Oh, I pray so. The world needs God like maybe never before. We only have a couple of minutes left, and I often like to ask guests on conversations before we're done. Tell, tell, tell me what the gospel means to you, what the experience of the gospel can, can look like in a person's life. The whole creation story, God created a universe, a a, a planet, for the purpose of redeeming us for his glory. Things went badly. Jesus came into the world. Jesus will make a difference in your life. What kind of difference? Where's the power of the gospel? What does the gospel story mean to you? Uh, Thank you for asking. When I was was 10 years old, shortly after my grandmother died, uh, somebody from the church came and put their arm, their hand on my shoulder and said, someday you'll make a great pastor. And I was, I was so angry. I was so angry at that person. I could hardly stand to be in that person's presence because I said to myself, I will never be a pastor. I want to have fun. Oh. And, and as, I, as I grew up to try to have fun, yeah. I, I recognized that, that God just wasn't leading me the way I thought I wanted to go. And, and it wasn't until our previous uh, discussion that we had that, that I saw that he took me completely out of what I was planning for myself. And, and, and of course, I accepted it all, all along the way because he's not going to do something that, that I'm not willing to accept. He, he, he reached in to the depths of my depravity, and and he changed things. Whereas I look back in my life, I see I'm I'm so grateful to God that He took over where my foolishness seemed to be t- taking me. And that doesn't mean everything is still good, but He's leading me to a time when it will be. That's right. And and I can hardly wait for that. And I'm not, I'm not eager to die, but I, I know I don't have to worry. The gospel to me is a privilege to be able to know who God is 
and his great love for me and everybody who I love and everybody else also and 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 the way he continually works everything moving it to the direction so that I will be ready despite myself. Mm. Yes, fantastic. God offers us hope, doesn't he? We were crea- creation's rescue mission. We were created, not here through happenstance. I, I, I saw a, a famous atheist recently. Maybe I read it. He's dead and gone now, but he's a very famous guy. Maybe he was a philosopher and author. And he said, I would love to be able to believe in God. I would love to be able to believe that life has meaning simply beyond this life and that one day we're going to live in a perfect place with our friends and our family. He said, I'd love to be able to believe that. I don't know what it was that was keeping him from believing it, but he'd come to the place where he was not even capable of believing that. Mm. Where would you be without that hope? Where would you be? I, I hate to think where I would be. Where would you be? Well, thank God uh, that through Jesus we have an eternal hope that we were created to exist and that we will be recreated one day and in the presence of God, we'll live forever. Dr. Gary Wagner, thank you for wholeheartedly, enthusiastically, vigorously speaking up in behalf of creation and in behalf of the Creator. I appreciate it very much. I just want you to know that uh, this was my first book I've written and 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 as I read it now, I'm 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 not satisfied with it. So... It's being revised and updated so that the new science can be put in and the new book will will be called Creation Revealed. How about that? A book about creation? Recreated. We're looking forward to that. Creation Revealed. Thanks very much. This has been a joy. Thank you. Thank you for being part of our time together. He is Dr. Gary Wagner. I'm John Bradshaw. This has been our conversation.